0: I don't even quite know what we're going to talk about today. I was just telling Chili. Um, boy, we've got a full house in here this morning. We've got uh, me, the leader of this show. Um, we've got Blake, Chili, and we've got Pastor Nathan in the studio, live in the studio today. And let me go ahead and tell you, when Pastor Nathan shows up to do a podcast you better get ready because there's something on his mind because Pastor Nathan has about 50 other things that he could do this morning. Uh, you know, and when he shows up for a podcast, you better stand by. So I'm just telling all y'all, I don't know what he's going to bring to the to the show today, but it's going to be something special. Blake's just a little off camera. Uh, I put Chili and Blake in charge of Team PT this morning for the first morning and of course they chose the easiest possible pt that we could do and that is crossfit so i will punish them next week on team pt where we will do an actual team pt can i tell you something whoa your mic sounds weird chili yeah Yeah. oh yeah it's brand new (laughs) i i don't know if that's gonna work no sounds bad it sounds yeah it sounds messed up for some reason is it plugged up good yeah i think he's plugged in good it raises your voice. Yeah, that, yeah, that ain't Kinda gonna does. work. It sounds like you're talking into a can, Chili. Is it plugged in good there? Oh yeah, he's plugged in good. Get, 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 Chili, uh, the old mic, Blake. It's right there in that um thing right there. I think you'll have to get it. <laughs> get it for him.
1: Good night.
0: That thing sounds like you're talking into a coffee can, dude. What? This is the one you. This is the new one? That's a brand new mic. Where's it at? It's in that camera bag. Um, we're going to get Chili hooked up with a, with a different mic. We bought him a brand new mic by y'all's request. And I don't know what the world is going on with that thing. And he'll need, yep. He'll need that. Chili screw this into that, uh, little, the end of that little fitting there. Nope. That the mic's sitting in. That's right. That way you can screw it back onto your mic stand. We bought him a new mic. And obviously, we, we we just assumed it would work. Well, it's not working. Um, look, man. While Chili fixes his mic, I was go ahead and unplug it, Chili. There Good you go. Gosh, you gonna tell someone else to do something? <laughs> look, hey Blake, get that mic, Chili. Screw this in there. Go ahead and unplug it. I was driving home from the gym this morning. Uh, there was police everywhere. And look, my tags have been expired for a month. Don't tread on me, though. Yeah, don't tread on me. Look, my tags have been expired for a month. I'm driving home from the gym. I bet I passed five police officers. All right, give us a mic check on that one. All right. All right, that's much better. All right. All right. And, um, you know, it just it just brings me back to the whole the, the thing about the, the tags. I don't understand how they get away with you buy a vehicle all right you it's it's yours all right Government if you want me to put a tag on my vehicle, send me a tag in the mail and I'll put it on my vehicle and I'll and I'll keep it on there just as long as I drive my vehicle. but you know what? no <laughs> no government says come down here, Pay me for this tag that I require you to put on your vehicle, and then every year I'm gonna throw something in your schedule, which is you have to come up here and renew this tag and pay me again perpetually every year. Uh you know, look listen, Chad, you're gonna get you're gonna be governed, son. Just just get, be governed.
1: Well, he said he didn't know what this podcast was going to be about. It's just going to be airing out everything that's ticking him off right now.
0: It's like when you fart under the covers, and, and now all he's doing is waffing the covers, just <laughs> airing it out. Does anybody else feel this way about this tag situation? I think everybody probably does.
2: Yeah, I think that.
0: Why do we allow it to happen then?
2: I think there are greater offenses. I can let this one go.
0: There's bigger fish to fry, son.
1: Well, you know, it did
0: pony up on that mic,
1: dummy. It didn't just happen fry, over, <laughs> overnight. We accepted all this crazy stuff. So now you're you're getting ticked off at it a little too late. It's too baked in.
0: Well, Blake told me yesterday. He said, you know, they should when you get your driver's license, they should issue you a tag and you just use you keep that tag for your whole life and you just if you buy a new vehicle, you just put your tag on the new vehicle, right? I mean, I'd even, dude, I would even pay them for that tag because I know they're going to make me pay them for it. But don't make me come and and come up to the tag office where there's some lady that hates her life working in the tag office and don't make me deal with her. And, and, and not to mention, I've got to dig up Every certificate of birth and citizenship and social security card and every form of identification that I've ever possessed in my entire life to go and pay them to get the tag that they require me to have on my car. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I <laughs> don't know. Is
2: this beca- you haven't you haven't registered your truck in Georgia, have you? No. Uh, That's why this is such a big deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a big deal. Well, once you do register it, you can renew your tag through the mail. You don't have to go up there every time. And they'll just mail well, you the sticker. I'm yeah. a man of principle, and I'm just, I don't know why we let this happen. All right. We'll just keep riding around with expired tags. Yeah.
1: You can do that for a while.
0: Yeah, no, I've been doing it for a month.
1: Yeah, you can do it for longer than that.
0: I'm surprised nobody. you can't. That old dang truck I drive, I'm surprised they ain't nobody just pulled me over just for the. Say uh, the the side view mirror on the passenger side is busted out. The truck's dented. I've got a I've had the same bag of garbage in the back of that truck for about three days now. I, you can you could probably smell it down in downtown from here to house. Um,
1: you can drive around like that. You're good for a while. Well,
0: maybe they're not pulling me over because they figure if they write me a ticket, I won't be able to afford to pay the ticket anyways. Maybe that's why they're not pulling me over. It's genius. <laughs> I'm a genius. <laughs> um, You know, all right, let's talk about a, a few things here. First of all, I made a post yesterday on Instagram where uh, I, I posted a picture of our setup there at the Mid-State Mile, and I said there's something in this photo here that gives me a significant edge be the first to guess and i'll send you a special gift now it was really cool to see y'all's comments on this post this post is not even 24 hours old and you guys have commented 523 times and i've read every single one a lot of them are redundant but uh it's really cool what you guys actually did was uh you you guys actually like, made me step back and be like, holy smokes, I did have a lot of things there that, that were going right for me, right? But the interesting thing about the post is is I tried to use the word gives me a significant edge and not necessarily a significant advantage, all right? Um, things that you guys called out, like my crew, uh, like the good food that I was eating, um, like that, like the organization and the planning and all that stuff. Those things uh, did give me an advantage. They made me better. Those things did make me make me better. All right, all the people, the the processes, the planning. All right, those things. All right, this thing that gives me an edge, the correct answer that was in my mind, was the trident. And the Trident is there. It's on the inside of my Pelican case. And I take this Pelican case and use it on all my runs and stuff. And uh, I always have that Trident pin there. Now, you guys called that Trident everything from a Trident to a Golden Navy Seal badge (laughs) to... uh, I I, I mean, y'all called it all kinds of stuff. But that is called a Trident. Now, let me tell you something about myself. Um, When I was 18, 19 years old... While most people were dreaming of fast cars and college degrees and financial wealth, I was dreaming of that little golden pin. While most people were dreaming of a a family and a home and children, I was dreaming every night of that little golden pin. Um, And it took a lot of work to get that thing. And it means a lot. And it means a lot beyond what the things that I have done. It means and it signifies the blood, sweat, and tears of hundreds, if not thousands of men that went before me that wore that pin. That's what that pin signifies. It's much bigger than just old Chad Wright making it through SEAL training some way. But you know what? That's not why that pin gives me an edge because... There's another comment on that post that says, well, you know, there were a lot of battle-hardened veterans, combat veterans there at that race. I say a lot. There were a few others um, that have done things just as hard as I've done. They've probably seen more combat than me. There were probably some cancer survivors there. There were probably some people that have recovered from addictions and sicknesses and and family issues and things like that all of those things are just as hard if not harder than what i did in seal training so that trident gives me an edge for a reason that you might not have thought of the reason that trident gives me an edge is because when people hear about me and my background and they maybe they see that trident the people i'm racing against it gives me an edge because they start to think, I can't beat this guy. I can't beat this dude, man. He's a he's a he was a Navy SEAL. I can't beat this dude. It gives me an edge because people put so much value on it. Right? Not me, but you guys. You say, "Man, and here's the thing, if you don't believe that you can win, you will not win, all right? Now, believing that you can win, believing that you can beat me in ultra in, in an ultra race, at the mid-state mile, believing that you can beat me is not going to allow you to beat me as a standalone component. You've still got to put in the work you've still got to be prepared you've still got to be confident in your training and in yourself but on top of all that even if you've trained harder than me which many did if you don't have that component that 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 belief that you can actually win you will not win you do not win in life on accident you don't you gotta know it you gotta know you can do it so that's why that trident gives me an edge is because it's a it's a pretty intimidating symbol and it convinces people, not everyone, but certain people, that they cannot win. Which is a lie, but it gives me an edge. Does that make sense? It's a really it's a really weird thing. And that's why I pin it on that box. Do you think I need to see that trident to remember who I am? No. I pin it on that box so everybody else can see it. <laughs> it's not for me. I don't open that box every time and say, like, oh, on! That trident reminds me of <clears throat> what I've done. No, that's all up here. I don't have to see that symbol to remember that. That's to give me an edge against you guys because I want you guys to see it and think, oh, man, Whew. that joker did this terrible thing. He's going to go forever. <laughs> Does that make any sense to y'all?
2: Crickets. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I saw a guy uh, in a couple of tents over that had the little QuickBooks emblem on his box. <laughs> I'll
0: tell you what, man. Yeah. Look. All right. So the winner of that competition or this um, post right here is Mike from the Graham. Mike from the Graham. Literally the very first comment, Michael Wilson was Trident. All right. And I would wager to bet that most of you guys were, were naming the trident, which was the number one named thing that gave me an edge. I would wager to bet that most of you guys were naming that because you were thinking, that gives me an edge because of what I've done. And I'm trying to, to explain to you, it doesn't give me an edge because of what I've done. It gives me an edge because, it how, because of how it makes you feel about me. Interesting mm-hmm. to me. You see? All right. What what do y'all why are y'all just Look, man? Why are y'all just looking at me? What do y'all what's up?
1: We just went on a monologue explaining it. I mean, we don't what are we supposed to say? That was good.
0: All right. Well, I mean, I can keep going. Oh, I think it's uh I think you explained it well. It's, well screw it, you guys, man. uh it's like no.
1: I, I'm, I'm truly. I'm curious what you would like us to comment on that. What else could we add?
0: Well, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna talk about a little piece of scripture right here. All right, and then I'm gonna just turn the show over to you guys. <laughs> what, no,
2: what could we add to that? you felt can- disrespectful to interrupt what was being said. Yeah, you, you unpacking the.
0: I mean,
1: listen. I didn't see the Trident this morning, but I knew I couldn't beat him in that CrossFit workout because well, I like
0: that damn dang thing. <laughs> I'm going to tell y'all what. From now on at CrossFit, this is a rule. From now on at CrossFit, the losers clean the the equipment and break the weight down.
2: What if you don't read the workout right and you do it improperly?
0: Or what if you read it right and you still do it wrong? (laughs) Then what happens? Good point. I did all the (laughs) dang reps. Well, I mean... I just got a little out of order for you a do second. It RX. Well, what if someone at the Midstate Mile said, uh, "Well, I, I finished the lap. I, I, I just started my other lap a little bit early." And okay, whatever. I, I'll take it. <laughs> I, I disqualified. I, I'll tell you guys. I it, the so, workout went from deadlift. From, it was row, burpee, deadlift, jump rope, and on one round, as I was lapping Blake and Chili, I did row burpee, deadlift. Then, for some reason, I forgot about the jump rope and went straight back to row. Mm. As, as soon as I finished my row, I went back and, and got my jump rope in.
2: You have to ask yourself, were you not being deliberate or were you not being present? Which which led to that? I was. There was definitely a lapse in attention to detail.
0: I'll tell you what. It was that I was... I was so pissed when I saw Chili over there doing burpees, and he looked like a fish, like just a, uh, you know, an old catfish when you throw him up on the bank, and he's been laying there for about an hour, and it it, it upset me so bad, I lost my train of thought.
1: Why are you watching me?
0: I couldn't help but see you. <laughs> hey. He was deadlifting uh, 185, though. I don't know why he did that. Well, <laughs>
1: Some stupid, but let me, let me also address what you said at the very beginning, which ticked me off that, that me and Blake were in charge of PT and we picked the easy Cross road. Fit. No, I didn't pick that.
0: No, I picked it. Yeah. I picked it. Well, I told him to call you and discuss it. With yeah.
1: We, t- we talked about it and he said that you were uh real sore. So he wanted to just do a CrossFit workout and I said, Oh, okay. I'd r- I like to run, but well, that's fine.
0: Oh, Chad has got a severe case of rhabdo. And I keep I keep a case of rhabdo, son. Hey. Cut that phone. <laughs> so, I mean, really it was just, you know, I got to keep my racehorse tuned up. Yeah, well and you know, he would have went and ran, but it wouldn't have been good for him. Oh. Alright. Uh, the hey. Michael Wilson, that one thing on Instagram. Hit me up on Instagram, shoot me a DM. Let me know where I can send you some stuff, brother. All right. All right. Let me talk a little bit about some scripture here and then I'm gonna hear what you guys have on your mind. You know, we did a little thing on Resurrected the other night where um I was talking about I won't go over the whole thing, but the the concept of the conversation was Asking yourself, are you con- are you just as content representing the uh, image of Christ that is the lamb being led to the slaughter? Are you just as content representing that image of Him as you are uh, representing the image of Him as the victorious King, right? The King, and um, look, man, I just I, I just have to read this part of Scripture to you uh, that gives us the image of Christ as King. And then I'm going to tell you something uh, that that I I thought about after our conversation on resurrected. Here is Christ as King, all right? And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in Righteousness. He doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon the white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. And with it he should smite the nations, and he should rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of God Almighty." And this is the last part, verse 16. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So this is Christ returning to the earth. You could go on with this. This is in Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse 11. You could go on as John describes this vision or this actual thing he's seeing as the second coming of Christ in the very last days. And I said on resurrected, man, that fires me up. When I think about Christ coming back on a white horse, literally with us following Him to make war and and tread the wine press of wrath against the evil peoples of this earth, literally destroying them and calling all the birds to come and feast on their flesh, that is like what what is like judge. That's like the ultimate. And final judgment and redemption and and you know you think what kind of world will the world be? Uh, what kind of shape will the world be in to provoke him to such a just a, a brutal judgment? Well, I mean, I think that we could probably go back and look at what the world was like, at least uh, at least as the Bible describes it prior to the flood. Um, and we're, we're headed that way. Um, so I got to thinking, you know, that fits my personality, Christ as king. Well, no wonder that fires me up, right? But I got to thinking, I thought, you know, Chad, uh, you know, you should be just as fired up, if not more so fired up, when you reflect on the image of Christ as the Lamb of God led to slaughter. You know why? Because if you don't partake in his sacrifice, you don't get to partake in his kingdom. I thought, you know, that really fits my personality, that second coming, making war and judgment. But I need to check myself, and I need to, I need to be just as excited, if not more so, about the image of Christ as the Lamb. So that's what I that's what I was thinking about. Um, all right, guys.
2: That's good. I thought after listening to Resurrected the other night, I had the same thought that you, the warrior in you, identifies well with the that picture of Christ's return in such a strong way. Um, but I think what you just said the you know it's it's kind of two sides of the same coin of strength the the strength and resolve it took for Christ to to go as the lamb and be led to slaughter. Uh, of which he was undeserving. I mean the strength and resolve that it takes to do that. Um when he knows the end of the story, he know, you know, he wasn't saying you guys just wait you, wait till you see what's coming, you know. He he did all of that quietly and yeah, um, submitted himself before the father.
0: Yep. 100% man. Um hey, I got to play y'all this real quick. This is a clip that Nathan sent us the other day. On uh, I think Chili had something to say. Oh, what you got? No, Kenneth? I
1: didn't. I just I know what you're about to play. <laughs> I gotta <laughs> play you all
0: this. This is a clip that uh, Nathan sent us the other day of uh, Kenneth Copeland. I think is his name, right? Yeah. And it's just so epic. It's <laughs> just, just so epic, man. um Here you go. Let me see if this will play. Offerings will go toward the outreaches of Kenneth Copeland Ministries and and uh, especially Kenneth Copeland Ministries Canada, and it is, and, and the, the territories under which the Canadian office
2: uh, is. She
0: the movement of the
2: spirit of God <laughs> <laughs> look anytime you get asked a question that you don't know the answer to particularly when it's uncomfortable or pertains to your spending of other people's money. <laughs> Just speak in tongues. <laughs> Move past it. Move right on past it. What do you think about that?
0: Dude, people like that is what get me so fired up about that image of Christ coming as king, son. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it's like...
1: You want to see Kenneth Copeland in the wine press.
0: He's, he's. I, you know, I hope Kenneth Copeland makes a turn before it's too late. I really hope he does because Christ is long-suffering, and he even loves Kenneth Copeland. Um, But, boy, what a great call-out session here for uh, Mr. (laughs) Kenneth Copeland. (laughs) And uh, what do I think about it? I I think that, that the easiest way to get rich in this world is coming up with your own little sect of uh, religion, right? And that's what Kenneth Copeland's done, and he's worth, what, $300 million and flies around in private jets and makes up some stuff like this. And But I'm going to go ahead and tell you. It's going to be a bad day. A fat choker. Hey, look, man. If you're a Christian pacifist, go read about Christ as king. <laughs>
2: Well I should give credit. My wife is the one that found that clip. We had a good time watching it. Uh but I think I said to you the other day it just demonstrates I mean the the people latch onto that because of the need for hope. Yeah. And the, it's misplaced in that. Um he's kind of twisted scripture enough to give them hope, but
1: Yeah, and people like that take advantage of desperate people. That's you what know. yeah, exactly. So well, a uh,
0: when uh, when you have to explain where the tides are going, and you can't, <laughs> it, here on earth, Hama Lama cuts it. <laughs> but when you've got an answer to God about where all those tides went, Hama Lama don't cut it, then. cut it It's no. not going to cut it now. You know, I tried to be a pacifist last week for three days, uh, three or four days, I think, because I had run a lot of the fight out of myself, and I tried to be a pacifist. But I got up, uh what morning was that when my arms started going straight, Blake? <laughs> um, it would
2: have been Sunday, wouldn't it? Sunday morning, yeah.
0: Sunday morning. So it took me about a week to work my way out of that pacifism. I hated it. I hated being a pacifist, but I was just giving it a shot. And I got up Sunday morning, and son, it had all went out of me, and I was back. Son, my arms got to locking out like this. You know when y'all that have kids when they're young they'll go to pitching a fit and they're just slinging their arms out get look like rigor mortis doesn't sit in they get so stiff pitching a fit chad was over there doing that talking we ain't gonna talk about what he was talking about but he was over there just just full extension stiff knee stiff elbowed oh no i'll tell you what i was talking about y'all i'm telling you what i'm talking about no, no. these people i am not an entertainer all right I'm not an entertainer and, and we'll leave it at that. All right. There's a lot of people on Instagram that you, you might feel led to, to compare me to that are entertainers. They've simply figured out things to say that get you fired up and they'll get you off the couch for just a little bit. And then you realize you're just going to be spinning your wheels. So you just wind back up out on the couch. Right. Um, so please, if you want to see me race against some people or do something like that, suggest some legitimate opponents, people like Courtney DeWalter, people like um, Johann Steen, people like John Kelly, all right? Don't suggest people that haven't won a race in 12 years. Like give me some legitimate ultra runners, all right? Not entertainers. Because we are not entertainers here at Three O Seven Project. That's boy, just, get my <laughs> arm straight. Bud.
2: I'm just glad you didn't name any names.
0: No, we we already. I got Kenneth Copeland. He he filled the call out session today. <laughs> well, I don't um, know that
2: you were so much a pacifist last week. You were in a mood. You were. It was just suppressed, which I think only made it worse.
1: You got to You go through phases after what he just did. Yeah, it it's going to take a minute. It's all right. A back Be line. patient with him. Yeah. That's all you can do.
0: Well, um, what's been on your mind, PN? I, I want to honor this time that we get with you. It's not often we get you on the podcast. What's kind of been what's kind of been the main well there's uh
2: you hit a couple of things. I was thinking of uh the need for at least the opportunity for uh I started to say pushing back it's not really pushing back so much as it is fleshing out uh, some things that get thrown around and what we do. And I think it's important to articulate the nuances therein and when it's appropriate to apply You know, the situations where you may apply one statement accurately, but it would be incorrect to apply it in another statement. That's all vague, but I think we can sort it out. But it, it goes back to probably six weeks ago. I don't know, not too long ago, you and I had a, a conversation and it started at the gym in the morning and then we talked on the phone in the afternoon. And it was kind of one of those times where, um, we just kind of ended up with a pretty sequential string of thought that kind of hit on some stuff that was, um, going on in both of our lives at that, at that particular week, but it also had this undercurrent of stuff that we deal with all the time in, in what we do. So the idea of, uh, of you're not special, was kind of where it started and we, you know, it gets thrown around in events like breakthrough or in um, certain instances on the basic course or certainly the proving ground. And kind of if you start unpacking that, you know, it's really only in my opinion, accurately applied in a really specific setting. And that would be one where the suffering is voluntary and where it is largely stemming from physical suffering. When you get outside of either one of those things, it doesn't take much of a step outside of that. And you're probably wrong to apply that statement. You're not special. Don't give voice to your pain. Suffer in silence. You know, um, the people beside you are suffering just the same. And I've gotten glimpses of it through um, through talking with folks, through reading comments on Instagram. Or I feel like sometimes people are misapplying it and they're applying it in situations where you know, people are going through really difficult things in life, and they're like, "But I'm not going to give voice to my pain." Or, "You know, my pain isn't any different than anyone else's." And, I mean, cut, cut and dry. I think that's wrong. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's some important things to unpack in that, um, so that people understand. You know, even John was saying at the race last week, he was giving you guys a hard time coming out of the crowd. You're not, you're not special. Run stronger or run, run faster. Everyone's hurting. That was an appropriate place to apply that. Everyone signed up. Everyone knew what they were getting into. pain and physical suffering is a part of that event. But when you start getting outside of that, I think it's important to not adhere to that. So I wanted to unpack that, and depending on where we go time wise I mean you kind of hit on it a minute ago with your intro that led us into a discussion of um how you quantify what's what hard is and then what you do with that based on you know the way you interact with people in your life, yep. That's what that's what's on my mind.
0: Yep. Well, you know, I think specifically those, uh, you know, those techniques that that I use that you kind of went over right there, Nathan. That really that we all use, not giving your pain a voice, and and all of those things that Nathan just covered. Those to me uh, are 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 applicable when you are really in the heat of a significant battle and you have you can't stop. You have no absolutely no choice but to move forward as fast and as efficiently as you possibly can. Now, once you get to a spot where you can slow down a little bit or stop, then and and this is even in life and other situations, then yes, it changes and those TTPs can become Extremely unhealthy. Mm-hmm. You're, yeah, you're exactly right.
2: So I, I mean, if I go back to square one, I think from a biblical standpoint, the idea that um, that we're not special is inaccurate. Uh, you know, uh, we're created in the image of God. Psalm one thirty nine says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that psalm goes on to talk about the uh, the intimacy between our relationship with uh, with God as Creator and how you know how much He knows us. So we are created with great care, uh, which would which would then say, and in, indeed we're all, because we're in his image, we're all very special and unique. Um, but I think going beyond that, you think of um, the adversity that we face in life, regardless any any adversity that we face is a part of telling a story, either of the need for redemption or of the act of redemption. So you can go pick anyone off the street, talk to them about where they are, whether they're a believer or not, their story is either gonna beg for redemption and, and demonstrate the need for it, or they're gonna have a tale of how they were brought through something and, and we see that picture of redemption being played out, a picture of redemption on earth that mirrors what happens uh, through salvation You know, with our eternal being, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so because of that, because every story is the opportunity for us to tell that uh, that salvation story again, or to hear it, then the stories become really important. And it's not, I'm not so much unique or a person's not so much unique because they suffer, we all suffer, but our suffering is likely unique from one another. I mean, if you take the four of us in the room, talk about our life in the last, just the last year, the last month, whatever time you want to put on it. And we would all have tales of going through difficult things in life. The way that we went about it and the nuances of that story, the details would all be diff- different. But in each one of us, you would be able to see either the need for redemption or redemption and restoration being played out. Mm. And so with, with that, then the idea of stories and people giving voice uh, to their pain becomes really important. Because there are there's a thing that happens when, when a story is uh, expressed when it's heard, when it's validated, um, that story for the, for the person who's expressing it, they get to process and understand their story in a way that they can't apart from sharing it with someone else. I mean, we can kind of run through things in our own head and different ones of us are better than others at internally processing and kind of figuring things out. But, but even for those of us that process internally, there's something different that happens when we speak it to someone else, we hear that person, you know, uh, digest it, reflect back or ask questions to us, then, then our story, it helps us process it differently. Does, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it does this, it does, it benefits the hearer as well you know, because they're either connecting with parts of their own story that they might not have um, or there's a study that, that uh, shows that if a person shares their story and has it heard with empathy, it changes the brain chemistry of both people for the better. So it's it's physically changing, you know, all parties involved. So when you get into that, it becomes important to not gloss over things or skip past things. Um, and, and you know, uh, you and I've experienced this before. Um, sharing parts of sharing parts of stories and and connecting either me connecting dots with. Uh, things that I hadn't, you know, hadn't dawned on me, or, or you doing the same, and it, we're all better for it. But I, I think more importantly, it's the story of Christ gets told over and over mm-hmm. through that process. Yep. Um, so that's where my head's at a little bit.
1: Well, no, that's boy, a Stanley. that's a great point. I mean, I, that was beautifully said because it's stuff I've thought about a lot. You know these these principles and. T- tactics, techniques, and procedures, they're not universal in the sense that they ought to be applied to every person at all times. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's, you mentioned that, there's not a, they're not universal in that sense where someone going through cancer treatments and battling for their life should just sit there and suffer in silence. I don't think. You know what I mean? I mean, that that's right. a different scenario. So so, I think it's great to clarify when these should be applied because if someone's getting that mixed up, that can be actually detrimental. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, hundred <laughs> percent.
1: So yeah, I think that. I mean, we we had that conversation a long time ago. A little bit yeah. of what you were hitting on, and it's kind of you know when you when you meet a person. Uh in need and i would say the need being emotional spiritual something of that nature i think i personally do i think we all maybe have a tendency to not uh, appreciate or even try to understand where they're coming from i do that i kind of I kind of think about my background and why I'm the way I am and then apply it to them. But that just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. They, they, they grew up and with their own set of challenges and, and, and life experiences that I didn't deal with. So they can understand things, certain things that I can't, and I can understand certain things that they can't. And I think I often can get frustrated when I don't know some people have a you know everybody has different challenges some people have a hard time doing things that i think are easy and likewise they'll have a easy time doing things that i think are hard and that's just because we are all unique Mm -hmm. and if we don't if you don't respect that or or understand that then you're going to have a hard time reaching people you know, maybe that's maybe that's just empathy. I don't know if the, maybe that's just the best word to describe that. But if you don't have that, you won't be able to help people if you can't understand where they were coming from. And you, you can understand where people are coming from because you didn't come from it like they did. But you can, I guess, have empathy. And and I think that's the way that you actually help somebody. Yeah. Um uh, not by understanding where they came from because you live the exact same way, but appreciating that it was different than you, and they may need a certain set of things or, or you know whatever it is to to actually help them. And no, uh, that 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 makes a lot of sense to me because you know you, people can actually get in in trouble applying these things in the wrong
0: time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well that- go ahead, Blake. I like how you pointed out in everybody's story, You, it just simplifies it. Like, you either see, all right, this guy needs... I, I think of how, how... Like, if somebody's telling me something, I think, how can I help them be better? How can I fix this or whatever? It's just how I think. So, when they tell me something, I like how you pointed out either you see the need for redemption. Like, what can I share to help this person to help them understand it? Or they share their story of redemption with you, which you know, would in turn help you or increase your faith, then as far as the, the tools go, I've always thought of like suffering silence, don't give your pain a voice as something like that. That Those aren't sustainable. Like if you say this job needs to be done, and I think it can be applied in kind of every area. Like if whatever you... Um, I'll give you, you a perfect example. When, when Brooke was in active addiction in the early years, and I had to deploy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's exactly i had to apply these principles of like Mm -hmm. you know hey we're not going to talk about this problem that we know is here because i don't have a choice Mm -hmm. like i have to press forward um at least that's the way i felt now was that the actual reality like could i have just said hey i'm not going i guess i could have but you know our our a whole uh, financial everything depended on me doing that job right now that is not sustainable like Blake said because it eventually led to a point where I did have to say all right I now I have to step back or this is going to I'm gonna lose my wife you know well you got to look and see so I, I see it like you figure out what is the most important priority and you use those tools, to silence the less important priorities. So if you say, hey, I've got to deploy, but Brooke is addicted to drugs, you decide what the priority is. Is it to go deploy and earn money for your family or is it to take care of her? And the pain could have been, crap, I got to stay home and can't deploy, but I'm going to have to silence that and take care of her. Or it could have been, I've got to go earn money, so I'm going to have to silence this problem so I can do that. But you got to use those tools and they work In short periods of time to take care of what the most important priority is to silence the less important priority and that's you know and if they're applied they work but you might be applying them you might be prioritizing the wrong thing oh yeah you know and that could be the root of the problem
1: that was a perfect example because think about it you had to do that and if you didn't apply those things you would have been in trouble yeah but during that time it would have been better for brooke to not utilize suffering silence she needed people to help her yeah so in that same situation you needed to apply it and it would actually have been a negative for her to apply it yeah but they are both you see you know it was important that chad did and it was important that brooke got the help she needed so
0: well this is a great conversation because this comes up a lot i mean a lot of people ask and get confused about these like Mm -hmm. when to apply it they applying it wrong they think it's right, and it's really hindering their furtherance of things. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this is all great.
2: Well, it goes. You know, we talked about. I think on the last basic course, this idea with with that particular group of um of of doing emotional work came up, and I felt like we felt like observing them Saturday. They were more prone to want to lean into the physical stuff, but suddenly they were kind of hands off at doing the emotional and relational work. And this this kind of you know forces the issue of that it's tempting to say well I'm not going to give voice to that I'm going to suffer in silence on the things that are emotional because it's really that's hard work to sort through that stuff and and trudge it up and dig through it and uh and grow as that process so it's there are times when it's tempting to just say no I'm going to leave that alone but I think there was a um a guest uh, you'd have to go back way back you interviewed um a runner a female runner that was a psychiatrist also i think uh-huh. and she said in there uh, in in her interview uh she was talking about her process that she kind of has a moment in every long race where she kind of gets the emotion out and then she's fine and her comment after that was that you know that which gets repressed uh or doesn't get expressed gets repressed something along those lines uh and and like you said you if you do that for long enough and it just
1: creates it puts you in a Mm -hmm. bad place
0: yeah eventually it's going to come out and it's going to come out with some force yeah yeah
1: well that's i mean this isn't also can't be applied universally so i probably shouldn't even say it but sometimes when it's easy to to speak or talk or talk about your pain is when you shouldn't when it's hard to talk about it is actually when you should be talking about it i don't i mean that can't be
0: no i mean i get that yeah i mean just out of the race last weekend when i tied my shoe to top my top of my foot was bothering me it would have been easy to yeah i mean do, do you not i mean even i was tempted to come in and say man the top of my foot's really bothering me i was very tempted to do that so you're you're right you know, I think I think one of the major challenges as we talk about the situations where we uh, where we need to give our pain a voice and tell our story and talk to others about our struggles, I think one of the major challenges to this is finding someone who will actually listen and. And maybe give give you feedback or, or or even just listen, right? Because, oh my gosh, dude, people will not. That people just want to talk constantly. They want to. What dump, is
1: wrong with people? They want to dump it on other people yeah. too, and not actually get help.
0: And so, Nathan, you are really, really good at that. Like you're the you're in my mind the master. At that, like Nathan does personal counseling. He charges $5,000 an hour. Um, now he's our personal pastor. Y'all don't even know what we want to, what we have to pay him for that. Um, but look, man, can you give some people some, I, I don't know. what. Can you give them some advice or even give me some advice on how to listen and to respond? Yeah, I mean, know that's a gift you have, but.
2: Yeah, I think there are there are a few things that I do probably now. I don't know that I ever, I think I can give a name to them. I don't know. I think I've always done them a little bit. Um, But one is kind of like what Chili was talking about. Like I I wanna, I don't know your perspective. So tell me your perspective. I wanna know your story. And, And for me to try to be curious and imagine like what must've, you know, what that must've been like for them to live that story and to understand that we're at very different places, so that'd be the first one. The second one is to try. I'll sometimes ask people, uh, "Do you do you want me to give you input?" Uh, but to try to distinguish between some people just need to share their story. They don't. They need. They don't need anything else from me, and keep my mouth shut. They don't either. Don't need or they're not ready for someone to say, "Oh, why don't you just do this, this, and this?" They just need to get their story out. And so trying to distinguish uh, which it is and then even just ask, you know, what do you want? Uh, do you want me to just listen or, or to share? And then if I feel really led to, to share something, then to ask permission. Um, and that person will tell me whether or not they're at a spot, you know, where they want to hear input or feedback or not. And then um, to let, you know, be okay with that. Just, okay, here's your story. I, I don't I don't need anything beyond that from you. I just want to be that outlet. And then I think to avoid um, minimizing their story with anecdotal things, even though they may be true. So it drives me crazy to no end when people are going through hardship, and especially among believers, the kind of the party line is, well, you know, the Lord has a plan for this. And there are, there are things that get said that it's not that they're not true. They're 100% accurate. But it does little to alleviate the felt suffering of that person in the moment. And and most often that person knows that. Uh, they're just at a spot where they're having difficulty reconciling that suffering and, and what they feel emotionally with what they know to be eternally true. And that's an okay place to be. I mean, the the Bible's full of of um, you know psalms and lamentations where the author is kind of describing what that feels like to feel in your body one way, even though what you know to be true is different than that. So I just, I've found, um, one, it seems, I don't know, it's, it, it seems disingenuous or kind of pointless to say those things to someone as if that's going to suddenly alleviate their burden. When what's probably going to help them a lot more is if I will just sit them, you know, sit with them, hear their story and just look, I got nothing to help you. You know, the things that I know, but I'll be with you in this as long as it takes. Mm Um, and people tend to respond well to that. I mean, it's a little bit of um, what we talked about when we did that podcast on being present with people. Uh, And we used the Georgia Jewel as kind of the backdrop to tell that story, but just, um, I think if you'll approach it with that, then people will, I've seen people just, um, you know, their whole countenance change when they realize that you genuinely want to hear their story. And you genuinely understand that though, um, you know, they have the tools or the, they know enough truth, um, to have hope that it's hard for them in that moment and just get, you know, give voice to them having permission to do that. Mm-hmm. It's it seems to be impactful. And then I think if you listen, uh, and are listening attentively, uh, if you can ask questions, that help prompt thought in that person, even just to tell different aspects or uh, parts of their story. I think that's kind of what I do.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what you do. I've seen you do it over and over again. It's absolutely amazing. And I I can't tell you how many times I've thought I could not replicate this conversation that he's having with this person. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but, uh, It is a gift, but I think taking what Nathan just said, there are parts of that, that even if we're not per se called or gifted to be exactly who Nathan is, there are parts I can take and apply, right, and use to become better at this, which is listening and helping your brother or your sister that is going through something, right? Right. Yeah, just because you're not gifted in something doesn't mean you have an out to where you like. Well, okay, I don't have to do that. That's right. I'm not good at it. That's right. You need to work at it and then figure out how to be better. Yeah. Well, I,
2: I think if you can give yourself permission to not fix it, I mean, that just take that burden off. Like, I don't, I don't have to fix this. And mm-hmm. most of the time, when we're talking to people that we know, you know, it's often the case that we know they they know the big answers to the questions they're just trying to connect the dots and reconcile you know these different parts of their experience
0: yeah i think the the part about saying look i'll I'll sit here with you and and even after we're done talking about it i'll just be here with you till you can figure it out for someone to know that and truly believe that what the person is saying is genuine that goes much further than giving any kind of advice on Something that they could do to make it better. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think most of us want, um, we want to throw our two cents in for the person to be so thankful that we did and for the, whatever they're dealing with to be wrapped up in about a week. And we don't really want to check in with them, but we, when we see them again, you know, at the coffee shop or whatever, wherever we see them about once a week, we just want to say, hey man, is everything better? When it's convenient. Right. And we want the answer to be yes. Even not, you know, people, sometimes don't even don't even want to ask how are you they just want to say is it everything better so the idea of being long-suffering with someone i think is um sometimes uncommon
0: oh yeah it's definitely uncommon and i've i've caught my own self doing exactly what you're talking about yeah. nathan i think we can all look back to well maybe not maybe nathan can't but uh, the rest <laughs> of us can look back to a time where when we were in that mindset right um you know, it's interesting to me, Chili, because I know you have been really walking through a tough season in your life, and uh, you've chosen to be pretty open with us about the things you're struggling through, man. And, you know, I imagine that was tough for you and a hard shift for you, man.
1: <laughs> I mean, you just mean physically? Yeah, like, just, just, you yeah. know,
0: just working through what you're working through, not only physically, but I think it's – uh I think you you know you went through a season and maybe still be in that season of just uh, even emotional emotionally because you you know you you're not right now it's not smart for you to do exactly what you want to be doing when it comes to uh, to uh, racing and stuff like that you know and you know I, I don't know it's it's the shift that you've made and and the way you've been able to come out and just you know you you talk to us about the things you're struggling with we we do the same to you and it's been a it's been an awesome thing i think we're all growing together because of that you know what i mean
1: well you know i get asked all the time on base uh any way people can reach me uh which is not very many ways right now that's how i like it uh but you know when people get the chance they ask why am I not racing what what's the deal what's wrong what happened here what happened there and and I don't like to talk about it but I don't even really know well I do know why I don't like to talk about it but I don't like to talk about it with my parents or my family or or you guys or anybody because I know what you know I mean the physical problems I'm having is largely well I mean it's entirely my own doing I, I just it's one reason I don't like to talk about it is because it's hard for me to even understand what all is happening it's uh I I don't really know I'm having you know a lot of health problems and I don't like to go see the doctor and I waited a long time to go see the doctor but I'm I'm seeing doctors now and um I don't know I don't it, it's hard emotionally because I don't know. You know, I'm not guaranteed to ever race again. I mean, I you know, I, I hope I will. I think I will, but I don't know. I may I may never. So that would only that's the only reason that it's hard. It's just
0: you may just have to start racing at my pace.
1: Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, it's hard. It's just weird what's going on. But like you know, I appreciate well when y'all ask me questions with what's going on i kind of have to have some sort of an explanation for why i turned into this a puddle <laughs> i mean everyone everyone uh was like man you've you won all those races and then you just stopped it's like yeah i, I can my guess is as good as yours on you know but it's been an interesting
0: p- few months um well you're doing well chilly Feeling well. You go all today this morning at CrossFit. Chili finishes the workout and he looks at me. And he says, "I can't see real well right now." <laughs> and then about a few seconds pass and he just goes back to working out again. I said, "Chili, can you see yet?" Hey, "Yeah, yeah, I'm good enough."
1: I don't know anybody who's
0: ain't I, got no governor.
1: I'll um, get back as quick as I can, but I don't know. It's gonna. I've had to make some hard decisions lately. So I, who knows what'll happen? Just stand by.
0: Well, and I mean, it somewhat ties into the question like Chad asked, like, you know, you're representing Christ either way, but are you happy running and winning races just as much as you are crewing somebody? And, you know, it's kind of parallels that representing Christ as king or as the lamb.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, I think, what I mean, visibly it's, uh, it's obvious on your face, like it's difficult to sort out and it's not necessarily... Uh, difficult to share because of what it is. It's like you you're sorting it out. So you're like, I, I don't even know what there is to share all mm-hmm. the time. And so it, it gives a picture of that. You know, there are times, um, that it's obvious you can answer a question. You can, you can check in with people that are close to you. And then there's times that you kind of got to draw in and sort some stuff out internally so that you can even make sense of it.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. I don't even know. Well, part of it's probably cause I haven't went to see the doctor cause I'm very averse to that. But, uh, I mean, that. I guess the one reason to go see the doctor would be to help me understand what's even wrong with me, but I'm starting to now.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. You look good today, Chili. You've got good color in your face. You look really good. I don't man.
1: know about that. I've been, you know, my, my eyes have been looking pretty bad.
0: I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, uh, Look, you put on a thirty-eight-hour-long comedy show. I have went back and listened and watched them Instagram lives, and it was—it's some of the funniest stuff. I—I <laughs> I don't know how you did it. So just know there's always a career in comedy. Well, um, well, he probably ran thirty miles out there. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh,
1: carrying the camera.
0: The, the best part was, well Chad
1: ran 122 so let's not
0: Chili's walking through the woods I don't know if y'all saw this part and he says good gosh did y'all see that armadillo and he find, and there's this armadillo stand there he says good gosh and then he says do, I, do y'all know do armadillos hiss at you <laughs> about three seconds later he says I don't like animals that hiss at you <laughs> He said, I think I like armadillas, but if they hiss at you, no, nah, they're out. <laughs> well. What was up with that, Chili? What you got against hissing?
1: I don't like anything that hisses at you. <laughs>
0: that crap cracked me <laughs> up, dude. Like a
1: goose, you know? Those got, that they got Kenneth Copeland in them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they even got the devil. They surpassed the yeah, devil. Kenneth Copeland's spirit animal is a goose. It's a goose.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I no, I mean I I uh I enjoyed doing uh being a part of you know a race in that capacity just as much as running it but you know I just don't I guess uh the what's hard for me right now is just not knowing if I'll ever get to do what I thought I was going to do again, you know. So that's all. Well, I just got to keep being patient. It's uh it's been a long time, but it's really in one way, not been that long. It really hadn't
0: been that long, really. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what I tried to tell. I told I was talking to Chili the other day, and I said, you know, man, it took me a solid year to recover from Hell Week. It took me a solid year to, like, it probably took me two years to get to a place where I actually wanted to run again, where I could go out on the beach and do a run because I wanted to, and I actually found a little enjoyment in it.
1: Yeah. Well, I really don't want to t- turn this into Chili's uh, medical well, problems, but too bad. I don't, I don't, uh, I, I think maybe there was a small period where I wasn't super fired up to be running and racing, but not really. I am I, I think every day about what I want to go do and think of months down the road, like maybe I could get ready for that. So I'm not, it's not a problem with that. But it's, uh, yeah, I'm just not there yet.
0: Yeah. Well, you're being smart about it at least now.
1: Well, I don't know any other way because for a long time, I just tried to go out and run. I mean, one day I just ran 20 miles, and it got to the point where I was just walking at the end, which is not typical. It was like all I could do. And I was like, this is just bad. This is not a good thing. Like, it, usually training for me has always felt like, well, I go out and train and yeah, it breaks your muscles down, but that's how, you know, then you re- recover and adapt and, and you come back stronger. Everything that I do now, whether it's t- not even 20 miles, if it's two miles, it's just, it's just the breakdown and no build, no build back up. I c- like no matter what I do, it's just seems to be a negative. So when that kept happening, I was like, well, this is just making it worse. So,
0: well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, uh, I don't, I'm not one of these people who says, oh, everything happens for a reason. And I'm not part, I'm not part of that whole tribe of people that lives their life by that creed, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you wouldn't have had something that at least slowed you down for a short period of time, you would have never wound up here with us. So whatever happens, I'm thankful for it. Because it slowed you down enough that we could get you on the team over here Mm -hmm. and get you, and and now you're such a huge part of Three O Seven Project. Good gosh, man, you're famous. People (laughs) all over the world know who Chili is, and uh, whatever happens, I'm thankful for it, man. I'm just waiting on our first uh, speaking engagement request for Chili. (laughs) Chili. (laughs) Chili is, by the way, Chili is a public speaker. Uh, he, we, we've, uh, Chili has, uh, spoken at the Proving Grounds. If you guys want to book Chili as a speaker, <laughs> send in the request, three of seven events. We've got a whole bureau over here. Nathan, do you do any speaking? Yeah, I'll speak. Oh yeah. Okay. Nathan's on our, on our board of speakers here at three of seven project. Blake's not. He just booked me. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: You remember what happened at the Proving Ground? Dude,
0: we just expanded our, our speaking board We board, got a board of speakers. To three people we have a speaker's bureau here holy smokes we'll,
2: we'll start doing um chili and i can open for you that's a good idea uh, we'll warm the crowd up
0: oh I, i'm gonna tell you what <laughs> if you want to book me as your keynote and chili and and uh nathan as the uh as the openers openers you better get your pocketbook out, son. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about you. Better get your pocketbook. You, you better have Kenneth Copeland money if you don't do that. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Maybe Exxon Mobil or something. If they want to, they might could afford it. But, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, all right. Well, I think that was uh, that was good to cover down on that on that topic. I like the way he just led you into that.
1: Well, I got asked a lot about it when the people had the chance the other night when I was running your Instagram. They
0: spent thirty eight hours. Will you?
1: Yeah. Well, I did. It, one time there was a period where I I kept answering that and I just or I kept getting asked that and I just ignored it. So I don't know. I I like to keep it vague, but that's why I'm not racing. So who knows how long it'll last? But I'll tell you one thing. If I can, I, I the, the, I'll say it like this: I will. I don't know what God has for me in the future, but if it is to continue to run how I was running, then I, I'll I will be back. But it won't be for me anymore, because that is a huge mistake I was making. Um, so I'll say that it'll be it'll look different. Um, I know it'll look different, but it may be back to competitive racing. I don't know, so I'll just say that.
0: I had a question for you as the director of Prophecy, okay? Um, here at Three Seven Project, uh, I just had a I just had a person point out the other day. It's very interesting that episode number one twenty two, which was the recap of part two. Part two, the final part of the Mid-State Mile, corresponded with the number of miles I ran at the Mid-State Mile. Do you, do you think there's anything to that?
1: No, that's numerology. I don't buy into that bullcrap. crap. The,
0: the number stuff, you, you, you're not, you don't buy into that? No. I mean, numbers in the numbers throughout the Bible are very important components yeah, they're, of Scripture,
2: right? They're like symbols. A minute ago, Chad said, I'm not one that buys into everything happens for a reason. <laughs> and then he was like, Hey, Chili Copeland, what do, you think? what do you think
1: about this? No, I mean, that numerology stuff, no. I, no. Plus, I can't, you know, the whole director of prophecy thing, that just. You want a new title, don't you?
0: Chili, what he's asking you is, what what's the subtext? <laughs> oh, my God. God. What's the subtext? No,
1: I don't think nothing about that. I just. Uh,
0: okay. Y'all no. heard it. Y'all heard it right straight from the director of prophecy. That don't mean jack squat. <laughs> The fact that them numbers lined up, that don't mean jack squat. All right, that's all I wanted to know. I just want to make sure I wasn't missing no, nothing.
1: That don't mean nothing. I
0: did, you know, I didn't know if it did or not. It that's doesn't. why. That's why we pay you to be here, so I can ask you questions like that. I- well, we got to draw it out of him. You remember, he held back on us when we was filming that range series. He knew we wasn't going to get nothing done. Oh, he knows what's going to happen. <laughs> no, all the time. not all
1: the time. <laughs> I, but I will tell you, I don't even know if I should say this. I don't think I will. I'll tell you after,
0: no, dude. <laughs> don't hold back on your swag. No. Put it out. Look, this is your problem. I've told I told y'all on the latest episode. You, if you got some swag, your swag is what makes you who you are. Why well, I can I mean
1: this? It's about to get heavy if well, say I say it. this.
0: Say it. This is the daggone Three Seven Podcast, son.
1: The I felt like for three weeks leading up to Mid State Mile the The strongest sense that something bad was going to happen, like enough to where I wanted to say something to y'all so bad, but I I thought about what that would look like, and that would I thought that would screw with Chad's head. I mean, he, he obviously wouldn't let it bother him, but that's just a you don't go to somebody and say that. And I was it it was a, such a struggle to know what to do, whether I was supposed to say something or not, because I didn't know if it was going to be. Happened to him? Or happened to somebody else? I don't know. And then we get there, and I talk to you in the RV and everything, and then go out and see James, and his daggum dad died. Yeah. While he was running. Yeah. I mean, that's the craziest thing. And I was like... But but see, that's why I don't even... I don't think I'm the director of prophecy, by the way, to anybody out there, but... When I get these feelings like that, it's it's like a burden. I don't know what to do. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was, but I felt 100% convinced that something bad was going to happen. And it made me even nervous to go to the race. Like, I didn't know what it was. And
0: then... Well, you had extra security measures in place.
1: Well, no joke. Part yeah. of that was because of how I felt like. and yeah. And then that happens, and it just about freaked me out. I mean that was terrible.
0: Well, you know, that's really interesting. I mean, you're, you're definitely early on in, in, uh, you know, you know, you have a, you have that gift. I believe, I truly believe that. That's why we've named you the director of prophecy. Now we also have the director of pastoral services in the, in the house tonight or today. You and so I want to get his input on, on those on, on things of that nature, because Nathan is a very experienced man of God, uh, possessing much wisdom. What do you have to say about that type of stuff, PN?
2: About what Chili just described, yeah, or the numerology yeah.
0: stuff. Well, either one, both, or either one. I
2: yeah, uh, I don't know. That's that's a tough one for me off the cuff. I mean, <clears throat> I think what Chili just described would be uh, an accurate description of um, of someone that perhaps gets a sense. A a sense of something uh, from the Lord, but you see, Chili wasn't out like making a living off of that, or or you know, I think that description of it as a burden and and not knowing like I've got this sense, and one I've got to discern: do I feel like this is of the Lord, or do I feel like this is just some half baked thing that you know? I had a dream the other night that something bad happened. Yeah, I was pretty certain that it wasn't um, prophetic, but. You got to make a make that discernment and then B. figure out, okay, well, what's the wise thing to do? What's what honors Christ? Um, so I'm glad it's not my gift. I'll just put it that way. I'll
1: tell you what I don't like. I keep saying, I keep shoving this off, but it is a burden like big time. I don't, when I, it's weird. I don't know what to do when I It's weird. I, I don't know and i felt like in that situation it was the best thing to not say anything just because i know y'all have been getting on me i need to start saying stuff but i didn't know what you know the implications would be to say something like that
2: well you have to think then you know to what end am i uh am i saying this what, yeah what's what do i hope is going to come from this or what do i think
1: yeah well i figured if i said it too there's nothing that you could do about i mean I mean, we could, have, if I said that and you were like, oh, okay, we just won't go. I mean, you can't do that. So,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I don't know. It's, is I, I, I don't get them a lot, I would guess. I mean, like, I don't, but when I do, boy, it's a strain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't enjoy it, though. I don't want it either. I don't know what it is.
0: Interesting thing, it's an interesting gift. What else you got, PN?
2: Well, I was thinking as we were talking about the difference, uh, going, going, kind of coming full circle. The difference in a person voluntarily not giving voice to pain in the moment because they've got to get to a place where they can catch a breath. There's a difference in that, and in me telling that person, "You're not special, and your suffering is no different than anyone else." Does that make sense? Uh-huh. So, in terms of how we project, how how we are with other people. I think, uh, in general, the better approach is to affirm someone's strength. I mean, one of the, um, one of the best things, most encouraging things that's ever been said, and you said it to me probably a year ago, I was describing some stuff that was frustrating and, and it's very long term. And you said you are made for this, you're doing this. Cause not everybody can do it. Yep. And that idea of, you know, you were made, th- this is a part of your story. You were made for it and you are strong. You can endure in general. I think that's a better way to go about life than it is to say, man, shut up. you everybody's going through a hard time. It, it's a different thing for me to voluntarily in a moment say, look, I got to get this done. And so I'm going to set this stuff aside until I can get this done. And then I'll pick this back up. Yep. So I just thought about that distinction. And then I, there's a, um, I, I won't share his name cause we haven't asked permission, but a student on the basic course from way back, uh, as part of you know one of our meetings was sharing his story and kind of connecting the dots to what had been going on in life and how he wound up there and at the end of it, he was in tears and he said i uh, this is not like me I don't know why I'm crying." he said, "I guess that's the first time I've ever heard my story out loud hmm. and for him, it was the first time that he had ever sequentially you know talked about what were very significant events in his life that had strung together over a period of years and, and even him hearing his own story through his voice was uh was impactful, so i i don't know what made me think of that but. yeah
0: well yeah, and it, it's how you apply them yourself, but also how you're telling other people to apply right. them right I mean some people might tick like that they might tick that you say, Hey, shut that other stuff off, you need to get through this, and yeah. some people might tick by saying, Hey, man, you are special, and this is a tough time, but you need to set it aside and get this thing done yeah, real yeah. quick. We can talk about that later so Knowing the person that you're trying to help Mm -hmm. and how to share that with them because everybody's not the same. Yeah, that's right. Well, guys, I think I'm going to name this episode Don't Give Your Pain a Voice (laughs) (laughs) Explained, right? It was interesting to me that Rich Roll named that interview that I never would have thought. I didn't even know that I was saying those things. And that kind of that mantra became because of that episode and it was interesting that he named it that but uh yeah this is definitely a much uh, for the first time really I think a deeper dive into what that looks like and how it plays out into our actual lives and the different aspects of our lives and you know I think the other part of this that we didn't hit on real uh, real hard is Nathan identifying that a hard what is hard or something that is hard that's that's a relative thing right um i think that i'm a wonderful example of that you know and
2: uh yeah yeah we'll i'll come back we'll hit on that one
0: yeah yeah for sure there's a lot there so thank you guys for tuning in uh you guys have heard us talking about a lot about this um thing that we call the basic course and the proving grounds I know we got a lot of new listeners to the podcast here so I just want to give you a heads up the proving grounds is uh three troop is coming up in january um uh, and it's a awesome mission how would you describe the proving grounds how would any of you guys i mean it's uh it's totally different than the basic course. Um, I don't know. How would you just, des- how do you describe the Proving Grounds without giving, I without, mean, yeah. we don't tell you guys a lot of stuff about these missions because that's a huge component of what we want to give you guys. We want to give you the opportunity to come and do something that you don't know what it is. And the people who graduate from the Proving Grounds, we tell them, hey, don't tell people about what happened here. Um, and we, we want you to have the opportunity to do that, but you know, the Proving Grounds is different from the basic course because the Proving Grounds, we have it at a facility so we can go out, we can push really hard and then we can reel back in and get back in a climate controlled environment, uh, where we can do our after actions reports and, uh, things of that nature. You just get to sleep in a bed at night. Um, you know, all the meals and everything are are there. They're provided, and and you know, you get a warm, three warm meals a day. Um, so those are some differences. And the basic course, is the mission that we do out in the wilderness, and it's it's it is a lot different. Um, we can't you it, it, you can't necessarily. Uh, I don't want to say you you sometimes end up pushing really hard because of the environmental factors, um, but you can't really plan it.
2: Yeah, I would say the distinguishing thing between the two of them is that the proving ground uses manufactured adversity um, yep. to, to elicit a certain response and create an environment for individual growth in a team setting. In the basic course, there's nothing manufactured about that. I mean, it's...
0: You just have to live. The wilderness kind
2: of takes it, you know. Every group is challenged in a, sometimes similar ways, but often in very unique ways based on that group, the weather, the you know, a whole bunch of different factors of which we have little control.
0: Yep. Yep. One hundred percent. So you guys hear us talking about these. These are are open to you guys to. uh to apply to, uh, the basic course, the proving grounds, you can go sign up at least until the class three troop fills up. Uh, there's a few spots left over there. Go to the website, 307project.com click experiences, click the proving grounds. And it has a link there where you can go and sign up and join us for the mission in January, the basic course, you can submit an application for that if you so choose to. There's instructions on how to do that on the website too. Um, I told you guys before, I'm not an entertainer. This is another thing that makes, I think, me and this crew right here different is we put on this training, which means you can actually come and hang out with us as like people, right? And we are your instructor in this environment, but you can get a feel for who we are. And um, I don't know of anybody else that really does that uh, for the general public, right? There are people that might do it for corporate groups or, you know, a speaking, a speaking engagement is just not the same, man. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, this is the real deal. And we put, we pour our hearts and souls into these missions and they are the standard. um, I think for both a wilderness outdoor experience and also for a uh, more of a facilities based camp experience, I think we set the standard for both of those things Um, and we're pretty much the only people doing it in the way we do it. These aren't beat-down sessions. These aren't come see what it's like to be a Navy SEAL sessions. No, uh, nowhere even close to that. Totally different. Um, So if you're interested, go check them out, 307project.com. That's the number three of the number seven project.com. We love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week right back here on the 307 Podcast. Enough said.